What's up, boss? Good morning or good day or good afternoon or whatever you're doing right now. It's uh, it's Abe's wallet and I'm here with Mark Parrott. Hi, Mark. Hey, Stephen. This is a rare, a rare early morning recording sesh. I suppose. Us. Well, it is. It's earlier morning for you out in mountain land. It's we're we're, we're careening into midday where I am. But yes, we're, we are that's meeting true. at an odd time. And that's because one, uh, we weren't available during normal our normal recording time. And two, because uh, there's kind of breaking financial news afoot. And so we want to talk to folks about that. Right. Yeah, it feels it feels a little earlier for me because I somehow for the first time in years slept until eight o'clock today. So I basically slept, got up, made some coffee and then you lush. I know. So that's that's the news. Um, (laughs) I hope everybody has a great week. Speaking of news, uh, tell us what's what's the national news and why have we convened on this day? Yeah, so uh, I was gone on a business trip last week, and while I was out, so I don't, I, I guess Google could you tell were me sleeping. this. You were sleeping. You slept through few, the news. Yeah, Rip Van Winkle. Um, President Biden has announced, which this was kind of anticipated something like this might happen, but he has announced that he is going to unilaterally, I'll say, um cancel the student loan debt of 43 million Americans in an amount between zero and $20,000 per person, depending on your circumstances. So a lot of people, you know, I, I work with, I work with clients who have student loans. I work with clients who are thinking about how to pay for college for their kids. And I work with clients who are thinking about how to pay off the student loans they took out for their kids, not for themselves. So we kind of get student loan questions all the time. And I'd say for the past two years, there has been a constant question of, do I should I pay these off? Because it seems like maybe the president is going to get rid of my student debt. So this has been something that's been anticipated and wondered about quite a lot. And now we have at least... Uh, a proposal and a plan on the table from the president that says this is what we are going to do. That's the news. Yes. And to to pad that out a little bit, you also have uh, clients and are someone who uh, worked responsibly to pay off student loans, correct? That's true. I did have some student loans. Um, I had a lot of help from my parents to pay for college. So I would say, uh, just for, for transparency's sake, I don't want to tell you that I, you know, did what I, I was meeting with somebody last week and they, they were pretty, pretty hot under the collar about this. They, they've become pretty successful these days, which isn't going to be a surprise when I tell you this story, but they said they drove an hour each way during college every weekend and most evenings to buff like marble floors and fancy office buildings and uh, do janitorial work because that was the highest paying job they could find and had no, n- no real help on the college front. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are excited about this news. And then there's a lot of people going, this feels like a raw deal. Cause either 
I just paid off my loans. I, I had a conversation like that recently that was, well, this is great. We just paid off all our loans a couple months ago. And then I've had conversations with people who said, I skipped out on a lot of life because I was right. working my tail off to not have debt. Um, yeah, I was I was thinking of your old uh, article about how you and your wife worked so hard to pay off medical school uh, loans. That we did. We did pay off a lot of medical right. school loans. Um with a mixture of budgeting tips. And you can go look at this on the blog. If you look up student debt, you'll see. I think I actually, this was one of those early podcasts where I read the blog <laughs> oh, yes. on the podcast. So you can you get it in audio form or written form, but uh, it was a combination of a lot of budgeting, some, some risky real estate deals that we did knowing that they might pay off and some uh, pretty significant poker winnings. So... That's what paid off the student loans in the parent household. And I don't remember, forgive me if you said this when describing the headline, but there's also a, a threshold that if you earn 150000 a year, that's uh, then it no longer applies to you, this forgiveness. So that threshold is 125000 for an individual okay. or 250000 for a family. Right. So there are social implications to that as well, as far as people feeling miffed or feeling blessed. Or yeah. Let me, let me give you some of the details of the proposal on the table right now. Um, this involves, A, if you have student loans, you've probably noticed that you haven't owed any payments for a long time. The, there is a final extension of that pause on repayment. Uh, so January of 2023 is when you will have payments due if you have federal student loans. Um, the forgiveness package offers up to $10,000 subject to those income limits we just said. If you just have federal Stafford loans, like um, which is kind of the most common loan if you're not in a pretty low income bracket when you apply it, or if you're paying for college, that would be your parents' uh, income level. Now, if you maybe had more financial need, you might have qualified for what's called a Pell Grant. And if you had a Pell Grant uh, and a student loan associated with that, you could get up to $20,000 of forgiveness, 10 for the Pell and 10 for the non-Pell federal loans. Um, it's important to note that this does not affect you at all if you had private student loans. Uh, these are just loans that are underwritten and held by the federal government. Uh, you might have taken out federal loans and refinanced them at some point between now and then. Uh, if you did that, you're not getting any forgiveness here. Um, the administration really zoomed in on a couple of key reasons why they did this. Uh, you can go to whitehouse.gov and read the press release and kind of hear their logic, but um, the two big reasons were COVID uh, and racial equality uh, or addressing racial inequity. Um, and I, I don't really want to rehash all of our opinions there. I would say on the racial inequity issue, there's a great podcast or actually a series of podcasts that came out 2020 and 2021 from the guys over at the Just Thinking podcast on uh, equity and the topics of equity. Uh, so 
they go for three hours and really explore that from a biblical perspective. I think that's valuable to kind of get your hands around what the Bible says about race, uh, racial equality, and the idea of equity versus equality. Um, good, good listening over there. Um, on the COVID front, you know, this is a, the total cost of this deal is, I just read a paper from the Wharton School of Business at Penn. They they estimate that this is going to cost $605 billion all in. Most of that cost is the direct forgiveness. A little bit of it is the additional extension of uh, payments uh, not being due until January. Uh, but um, $605 billion. And just to put that in perspective, because we've we've done this a few times in, in the recent past, um, the COVID relief stuff. So a total of $1.8 trillion is what the government spent mailing out all those checks. Um, so this is not as big of an infusion as that was, but it's also in the, it's in the ballpark of massive transfers of money from governments to individuals and families. Um, in addition to the 1.8 trillion to families and individuals, there was 1.7 trillion handed out to businesses. Those were through things like the PPP loans and other um, employee retention tax credits that were given out during that time. Uh, and then there's unemployment benefits that were $700 billion. Um, so there was a lot of money handed out during the pandemic. And I don't want to just dive straight into the our, our thoughts on this, but I will say that the instant, almost instant result of all that money being handed out was that we ended up in a very high inflation environment. Uh, this shouldn't surprise anyone. I don't think it's debated by anyone. I think the folks who are the most ardent supporters of that um, that transfer would still admit that, yes, this did put a lot of cash in people's pockets and it sure. ran inflation up. In some ways, it was designed to sure. do that because the goal was get people spending money so that businesses stay alive, um, at least the ones that were allowed to remain open. So in terms of cost, um, I, I, I read another study that I think is interesting here. You know, there it's really hard to sort through the agendas of every analytical piece that gets written on a package like this because everybody wants to either say this is great and it's going to stimulate the That's economy right. and these people are going to be free of debt and they're all going to start businesses and blah 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 uh, other people think this is terrible it's going to destroy the economy but uh, i try to find to to find the most neutral sources i can and just the the cost estimate for this was that the the debt you know it's not being it's not being forgiven by the lender that was uh, underwriting the debt. You know, in this case, it was the federal government. They still have to fund that that choice, and the cost is going to likely be about two thousand dollars per taxpayer uh, of additional taxes that will need to be raised in order to fund this uh, decision to wipe out ten to twenty thousand dollars of student loans per borrower. We're going to get to who pays. You kind of started covering who benefits. And I'd like to kind of finish that out before we get to who's like paying the bill. So just just a, and, um, I'm trying to stay on facts and not editorialize, as you said. 
Um, but the, the beneficiaries of this move, this massive outflowing of federal money, which I will editorialize just to touch and just re-establish to our people, theoretically, the government doesn't have any money. The, the, the government collects money from people to pay for public goods and services. So to, to say kind of, uh, I don't know, as if they're the great giant corporation in the sky, well, the government will pay for this. The government doesn't have any money except that which they collect. It's not a profitable business that they're running. Um, so the, the beneficiary of this, of this move uh, you described kind of the, the what's on the face of it. If you just kind of analyze who's get who's getting their um, student loans paid off, well, it's not the truly rich because the truly rich aren't aren't taking out student loans. Um, it's not the truly poor because the truly poor aren't going to college. Um, what you find is really the top twenty five percent of Americans. That's who goes to college and takes out student loans. So you're looking at the, 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 again, the top quarter of earners in America that are getting the benefit of this. And I, I, we'll get to this more when we talk about consequences, because I think one of the things that we can do that's just responsible is kind of watching the, watching the uh, tectonic plates move around us is that we're gonna to have to anticipate what does this mean for the future of economics? And what does this mean for the future of the way the government is run in our country? And I have to say at, at the top of the list of who are the beneficiaries, uh, one of the major beneficiaries of this move is presidential power. That, that is a major beneficiary of this, of this kind of, uh, what we were talking before we recorded, that the, the Speaker of the House just said a few months ago, well, this could never happen. The president just can't declare that there's going to be loan forgiveness. Um, well, that, that has now happened. And so what we can for sure anticipate is that this will be precedent setting. If it works, if it goes through, if all, if all of the money flows the places where it's intending to flow, we can be sure it'll happen again. So, um, as you say, the debt wasn't owed to the president. The, the debt was owed to, uh, well, these, these funds that are ultimately paid for by the American people, and you say to the tune of $2,000 a person. So th that's who benefits. And then you started talking about who, who actually pays. And uh, you, you mentioned this, but uh, just, to, just to elaborate, those who responsibly when they considered the debt implications of going to college, those who responsibly went to less expensive schools, maybe they went to a local community college, those who took night classes, those who kind of extended the timeline of going to college because they didn't want to get into life-crushing debt. And so they responsibly parceled out their debt load. They tried, they were working guys like your, uh, marble polisher friend who they're working their way through. They're trying to pay as they go. They're trying to minimize. Those people all um, are negatively impacted by this move because what is said is your, your 
uh, work to handle this responsibly. Those people who just paid off student loans, canceled them three months ago, they're impacted negatively and they're actually de-incentivized to do what they did. And they feel uh, aggrieved. They feel like wrong has been done to them. That's bizarre that, that that's kind of human nature. Well, those people got something. I could have gotten that too if I had only known, et cetera. So those people are going to pay in their, in their taxes and in with the cost of inflation around them. They're going to pay for others' loans that were not paid off yet. Maybe these were responsible people who just finished school two years ago and they're working, they're building up their career to play as student loans. But maybe it's people who have owned old owed student loans for 15, 20 years and they're, they're not working to uh, pay them off and they just evaporated. Anyways, these people who have responsibly been chipping away, they're impacted negatively. Um, can you tell us a little bit, Mark, um, about how the how the American uh, taxpayer and the rank and file person walk along the street because like I I didn't go to college I had no ambitions to go to college I have no I had no student loan how how is that person impacted by the uh, government again writing a six hundred billion dollar yeah. check so I'll do that and then I want to circle back for a minute to one thing you said about presidential power but okay um, I think that. There's going to be two big places that folks will feel the pinch here. Um, one, like I said, is in their tax bill. Now, if you make $20,000 a year, you won't probably feel this pinch in your tax bill. You don't pay much. Sometimes you don't pay anything if you've got children. Uh, you, you may not pay much taxes at all. But you know, you don't have to make $20,000 to feel a big pinch of a, a couple thousand dollar increase. So if you make $75,000 and you have a couple of kids, $2,000 is a meaningful amount of money mm. to, to see yourself need to chip in. Um, I, I think that's something that we don't have details on exactly where and how that will happen. But we hopefully, and, and this will get to my second point, aren't just going to print the money and assume that it exists because the government says it exists. Now, anytime there's a big infusion of cash like this, um, I don't want to trigger my, my anti-Fed uh, Bitcoin fans too much, but there's kind of a choice. Either prices have to go up um, or growth has to stop so much that um, the economy cools off and, and things come down. So there was a big meeting of the Fed, uh, which is the organization that sets target interest rates for interbank lending and things like that. They're, they have a few tools that we've talked about in the past um, to use monetary policy to basically keep the economy from growing too fast and to give it a little bit of a, uh, a boost when it starts slowing down too much. And one of the big targets they have is target inflation rate. We've talked a lot about inflation in the past year. Um, but like I said earlier, inflation is something that it's pretty inevitable that we're going to see some additional inflation when this much money is poured into the economy really anywhere. Um, and that impacts everybody. Have you been to the store recently and tried to buy a steak? You might have noticed it's twice as expensive. Um, 
you know, obviously gas prices have been a thing, although I would say inflation measures have come down quite a bit in the last couple months. And some of that is due to gas prices were so out of control for a little while. And that was multifaceted. It wasn't strictly because of, say, COVID stimulus. Um, you know, if you look at the underlying measures of inflation, that's things like groceries and housing, those things are a little more worrisome because they don't, they're not able to just come down when we release a bunch of oil reserves or when the situation with Russia and, and Ukraine gets resolved, which hopefully it will. Um, you know, when rent goes up by 30 or 40% in a city, that has big implications for working class folks many of whom might be exactly the types who did not get college degrees or have not yet gotten college degrees. So they um, are just more sensitive. The idea of, you know, going and buying a home, which has also been a place where inflation has, has hit us. Um, but the, the possibility of buying a home is, is not really uh, realistic. So that's the two places I think that the average person will feel the impacts of this. Um, whether or not they had student loans forgiven, you know, obviously even people who did have a student loan of $10,000 that got wiped out, they're also going to feel uh, the impact of this. And I can see how a family who makes $248,000 a year, so they're doing really well, um, might get $10,000 of loan forgiveness, but also then, um, see a lot more than $10,000 of costs go right. up for them That's as a right. result of some of the downstream effects of this decision. Um, I wanted to just really briefly touch on this because like you said, we don't want to get super political uh, on this and it's, it's still important to people are asking how, how can this happen either for the positive or for the negative. Um, this is not, a the the time when the presidency decided hey we're going to take the reins and do whatever we want that is a long story that has been happening true i looked back at some some info on presidential power and for from the 1700s until 1930 with a few notable exceptions the president had very limited powers they didn't get very involved in in foreign affairs they you know their powers were just um, quite quite limited to military power. There was some diplomatic power. They could appoint uh, the the roles that was that were outlined uh, for the president to appoint, and then they were allowed to veto bills that Congress passed, and that was about it. Um, there were some moments in our history that, honestly, I think a lot of us would say, "Well, that was wonderful." But Abraham Lincoln uh, made a huge move to write the Emancipation Proclamation and people went nuts about what is happening to presidential power. Um, but that didn't kick off a new era in which the presidents just did whatever they wanted. Um, that didn't really happen until the 1930s when you had Franklin Roosevelt, you've probably heard of the New Deal, uh, and he used World War II uh, that was coming. Uh, so there was the Great Depression, and then World War II kicked off at the end of the 1930s. Um, and Roosevelt basically used the crisis and, and trained every president thereafter to never waste a good crisis uh, to take a lot of new powers. And if you look at a chart of what federal spending 
looked like, it skyrocketed during the Roosevelt era and never really came back. So that was, that was the pivotal moment where we went from, you know, 5% budget increases to 40% budget increases in, in the forties. A lot of that was world war two, but then ended up kind of hovering around 15 to 20%, um, after that. So big changes. And it was really back then, um, and I've listened to a bunch of political commentators talk about how, well, we really should know this all started with Obama. And then people who really prefer the Democratic side, this all started with Bush. And they're all wrong. This started uh, in the 1930s. And, uh, uh, you know, I personally would love to see presidential powers dramatically curtailed, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm not, not sure happen. that we can make that happen by yeah. uh changing who's in the office right now, it seems to be a bigger problem than just the Democrats or the Republicans. It's, it's an important uh, concept to keep your eye on because there is a continuum between democratically elected um, constitutional president and czar. That there is a continuum there and we're moving steadily in one direction and when you uh, get yourself an American czar, which again, we're getting closer and closer to, the implications for religious freedom uh, become dramatic. So as, as people who want to uh, live as Abrahamic Bible-following people, that's something that we have to keep an eye on because it, it, it will impact our lives. So... The last thing I'll say just by way of, of update is that the this isn't a totally done deal. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but uh, several state attorneys general have mentioned that they'll be challenging this. I've attorneys read, general. Thank you for saying attorneys general. I believe that's the proper... It is. Okay. And it's so rarely said. I appreciate you pluralizing the noun. Oh, okay. And keeping well, the adjective the way that it is. Glad I could make your morning. Uh, you know, there's a chance that this gets challenged and, and that the courts say you can't do this. Um, I am, I'm not sure that'll happen. I Just the curious kitten in me would love to see what the freaking country did if, if we went, your debt's all forgiven and then it's not. And it would be a mess. Uh, so, uh in any case, that's worth keeping in mind that there's a chance that this all goes away. Um, and like I said, you, you you already mentioned it, but Pelosi's talk from a few months ago where she said, well, this is, it would be totally unconstitutional for a president to forgive debt. That has to be an act of Congress. Um, Still true. You know, there's other options other than the courts just say no and this goes away. Like Congress says, well, we can get in and we'll do approve it. something like this too. Um, that I think everybody agrees would be constitutional. Um, and whether whether wise or not, we can debate, but it, it would certainly be more uh, m- more robust from a constitutional law standpoint than what's happened now, which is just a, an edict. Right. I'm tempted to say more about your rare use of attorneys general, but I'm going to move on from grammar. Um, and 
I just want to comment for folks. Be, I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna do a little, very quick little Bible lesson on this topic, and I just want to say why is because the things that happen around us societally they do influence us. So if you're at a company where you hear HR speak around you five times a day, even if in your mind you're thinking, I don't agree with that idea. It could be something about sexuality. And you can think to yourself, ah, I don't agree with that. I'm just telling you just because of the repeated waves crashing into that stone, the stone gets eroded away over time. So I think it's important to remind our people when something that has, um, again, social impact, it actually affects the way that we think. And I want to make sure that our people are lashed to the rock um, that doesn't erode. Okay, yeah. so I'm... Yeah. Before you dive into Bible Talk, I should have probably said this at the front. All right. A lot of people tune in to get like tangible advice. What should I do Yes. in light of this? And for better or for worse, there's not a whole lot of decision points for you here. If, if this happens, which I think it probably will, um, you should, just like we said with the stimulus where we talked about maybe the questionable wisdom of that, don't say no to free money. Um, and so, okay, it's not free money, but don't say no when the government comes and says, well, we're giving this out. Um, we think it would be totally reasonable for you to go ahead and fill out the paperwork to have your loans dismissed right. in this way. Um, and beyond that, there's not a whole lot of what you can do. I think we, our goal here is to keep our ear to the ground for, hey, are there tax decisions, sort of tax opportunities that come available and we'll let you know, are there, um, you know, other ways that you could take advantage of you know, whatever's happening politically. But for now, if you're wondering, what does this mean for me? Well, if you have $10,000 of federal loans and you make less than those income limits, it means that those loans are most likely to get dismissed. And, um, yeah, that's that's just the simple fact of it, and we we aren't here telling you to take a moral stand and not send in the paperwork to get your your loans written off. Don, did you just shoehorn in what to do before we start into a couple of Bible verses? Because you you're acting like people are about to tune out. What was that? What was that about? Oh, I thought that was. Did I did I break our our outline? I, I thought that was part of just the the basic news. Um. The, the, no, I, I just want us to hold consequences and what to do for the end. But it feels like it felt like you're like, well, people are done now because our practical help is over. And I'm going to go into the ethereal and we're going to lose them. So I'll just squirt in. Well, you can edit do. that out. But my, <laughs> my thought is that the real what to do uh, is is based in what you're about to say and is a lot more than just thumbs up, thumbs down to... Right. Do I, do I accept student loan forgiveness? It's how do right. we act in a society that is yes. going increasingly towards uh, government dependence, etc. But I'll let you, I'll let you roll that out, and then the people can can decide if they want my advice and tune out, or if they want to hear the good stuff. No, no, yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do consequences and recommendations right after this. I, we're we're building this up as if it's some big Bible lesson. It's really not. It's just a few verses. But I will say about um, you saying, look, if the government is writing checks, you should take one of the checks. 
I'm thinking of our, our business, which got shut down, taken away from us because we're an event planning business and people weren't allowed to meet. And so we kind of sat on our hands going like, well, I guess we're going to shut the doors down. And then they're kind of like, well, we would give you some money to pay for your rent. We're like, okay, <laughs> give us the money to pay for the rent because we're not allowed to do business. Um, like you said, we didn't take a moral stand and go like, this shouldn't be happening. I don't think that it should have happened, but it was happening. And we had to, we had to make do with what was, uh, what was given to us. Okay. So uh, just to review again, I, I want, I want our minds to be established on what the scriptures say. So debt, um, it, owing, other people money is covered in the Bible from cover to cover to cover. It's it's all over the place in the Bible. Um, biblically speaking, it is undesirable. And that I, I would even go so far as to say that if you get comfortable having it or taking it on without knowing uh, how you're going to get past it, you're headed towards poverty, um, scripturally speaking. And we have covered poverty before. It is not a good thing. It is undesirable. It's not godly. So just to, just to cover the idea of, of debt, Luke 14, Jesus says, which of you desiring to build a tower doesn't first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? So you think about, uh, I've mentioned the people who took very seriously the prospect of taking on student loans and thinking, what will be the implications to me? I might not be able to buy a house as quickly out of school. I might be very restricted in my lifestyle when I finish school, but I'm considering the cost and I'm willing to take it on. That's what you should do biblically. You should consider the cost. Proverbs 22.7 says the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, I, I feel that uh, conceptually that principle is being broken down when we say, I know that you owed this money. You don't owe it anymore. You don't have to pay it back. I don't think that's a biblical process that when you owe something, you're supposed to pay it back. So again, I just feel that there, we can, we can do psychological damage. We think, I think I could take it on and maybe I won't have to pay it back. I don't think that's a godly thought. I could take on this debt and I might not have to pay it back. Yeah. We are going to get to uh, one of the common kind of more progressive Christian objections to, to opposing okay. this though, right? Okay. Which is, you can if you want to. What about all the debt forgiveness that's uh, codified into the, the system of Jubilee? So I, I want to get there, just put a pin in it and we'll come back to it in a second. Okay. My, my tendency when talking about the Bible is not to talk about the thousand um, misapplications and perversions to it. I just want, we're just going to cover what it says. And I, and I know that you say, it, that if you want to talk about a popular misconception, that's fine too. Yeah. But this says it right on the nose. Psalms, if I had a theme verse for you, if you want to hang up a verse on your mirror to get into your heart, here it is. It's Psalm 37, 21. It simply says, the wicked borrows, but does not pay back. Psalm 37, 21. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back. 
So that must never describe you or your family, that you would be somebody who borrows and does not pay back. And I, if I can encourage you, Abrahamic family leader, this goes all the way down to you borrowing somebody's shirt, you borrowing a water bottle, whatever it is, you get it back to the person that owns it because that's responsibility. Don't be one of those people that I lent this guy. Well, this we don't lend CDs anymore. I think that was such a common example. I lent this guy a CD. He, I never saw it again. Oh, I must have lost it in the seats of my car. You know, don't be one of those people. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. Um, Romans 13, 8. We're going to shoot way forward. New Testament. This is Paul. And he just says right on the face, Owe no one anything except to love each other. It just says like, that's just a principle of life. Don't owe people stuff. Um, and then the, uh, this is the same chapter. I'll finish with this. Pay to all what is owed to them. Now, he gets very practical. Taxes, to whom taxes are owed. If you owe taxes, pay them. Revenue, to whom revenue is owed. If you're a business owner, and you should be paying everybody out. Uh, I've had this, I've been on the receiving end of sin this way where I had invested in a company, like there was profit. Can I have my share of the profit? Oh, we're, we're working on that. We would like to pay you your share of the profits. Come on. If you owe revenue, pay revenue. Respect, pay respect to those to whom you owe respect and honor to whom honor is owed. So I just, I just wanted to do a, a quick, let's reestablish the walls here. And the walls are, we don't foolishly take on debt, not considering paying it back. We always restore that which we've borrowed. And um, we are people who want to deal with one another with respect. So respect is, if I borrowed five bucks from you, or I said, hey, could you pick up this lunch for me at... This has happened to me before. I don't have any money with me. I'd really like to eat lunch with you. Would you pay for my lunch? Great. <clears throat> and, you, and we say things like, I'll get you next time. And then that dissolves. And we forget that we said, I'll get you next time. When we're with the person the next time, we should say, you paid for me last time. I'm paying for you. Like That should just be what respectful, honorable, biblical living is like for us. So I just wanted to say that. You have any comments to that, or we, can we go into consequences and what to do? Um, no, I just think I, I do think this is a, a spot because, for better or for worse, I sometimes peek at the Twitter, and there's lots of debate going on, even oh, yeah. amongst Christians or professing believers, who um, some of them are saying this is evil and it violates a lot of the things you just read yeah. others are saying well matthew 18 the terrible parable of the unforgiving servant uh we've been forgiven so much how could we not go out and show equivalent um mercy or even just like i said the biblical principle of jubilee where israel had a rhythm of forgiveness of debt on a regular basis so the people who were reading the psalms you just read um, could take those and say, okay, they don't pay back. However, our family was built on some wealth that came out of debt forgiveness. Um, and those are, I think, if you haven't thought about those things on either side, you'll kind of be 
surprised and maybe uh, unequipped to have a good conversation right. uh, with somebody who might disagree with you, whichever side you're on, on this argument. So, All I would say in response to that is, all of you are authorized to be a blessing and merciful, and you can forgive any debt that someone has against you as much as you want. Go do it. Right. And I think that's the place where I would say that the the political is being confused with personal uh, mercy at the moment, which is that, um, you know, like we said at the very beginning, this is not a, a situation where debt is actually being erased. Um, the lenders... No, it's not erased. It's interesting to know that the, the private lenders that we talked about, you know, maybe you refinanced your loans. Those people have... They are not interested at all in forgiving debt. Um, and the the universities that gave people gender studies degrees and put them $200,000 into debt and now they can't get a job, they are not uh, coming to the table and saying, we've made a mistake we forgive that. Uh, and we're going to help here. It's, it's that debt is being transferred, not forgiven. Yes. Uh, yes. And it's being transferred to people who didn't volunteer. Uh, so... Personally, you know, this goes back even to generosity. I think that as a people uh, following Jesus, we're called to be really generous. And uh, I was spending time with somebody last week who was talking about the, the fund their family has that's just an abundance fund. It has to go to uh, generosity that's outside of the normal, uh, you know, tithe type giving that they plan for. And some of that money has gone to pay off student loans for people in the past. Um, I think that's fantastic. Of course. I think if somebody borrows from you directly, uh, which is not a bad thing, you know, there's, there's definitely cases where it could be mutually beneficial for you to loan some money and even to charge a, a reasonable rate of interest. That's true. We could go into Kind of the prohibitions on interest and the history of that in the church that might be fun someday yeah um, but it could be good for both of you you know seller financing for example and you could decide this is something that comes up from time to time when i'm working with multi-generational families where some parents will make a loan to some kids and they will pay for a while and then the parents will say i'm canceling it uh you now own the thing outright that i made you a loan for um that's all great. And uh, it's not the same thing uh, what's happening now, which is that the government has said, we're going to move debt from the ones who borrowed it to the ones who didn't and pay us now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the, kind of my quick thoughts on the comparisons of, you know, it's a semantics thing in a way because we're using the word debt forgiveness, but that is not what is happening. Yeah. I wanted to make the statement that, the truth, just to remove things from flights of fancy and wishful thinking, there's actually no such thing as a debt just mercifully evaporating. That does not happen. It's impossible to happen. I can even go to the way that our debt against the king of the universe um, was forgiven. It, it, wasn't, it didn't just magically dissolve. It was executed somewhere. I just didn't pay for it. Right. So... When a, when a debt is forgiven, let's think of the person, uh, 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 I'll get you next time for lunch. 
Lunch comes around. Hey, you got me last time. I'm paying for lunch this time. And by the way, you should just say that definitively if that's you. I'm paying for it. Thank you very much for last time here. I'm getting you back. But if the person says, I have said that before to my friend Larry, who is an old man, he's my mentor, and he gets and he has been offended at that. And he says, Dad pays for lunch. Okay. So what he's saying is, if you ever had a debt against me, I forgive it. But again, it's not evaporating into thin air. What's happening is he is saying, I will pay for you. I am covering the cost of your of your thing, whatever the deal is. It doesn't evaporate. Someone pays. And so the transfer of one of the reasons that we wanted to cover consequences is because we, we should be disabused of the notion that a debt uh, to the, the government can just be dissolved and, wow, the world is a happier place. No, that debt was transferred to the taxpayer who funds the government. So everyone pays is, is the result. So anyways, just wanted to say that. Yeah, that's great. I think the more we get used to the false idea that debts can yes. go poof, Yes. The, I mean, it has like big implications yes. on our soteriology. Like, how can we be saved? We start thinking, well, if you're nice, you just make, you snap your fingers and debts vanish. And that's not that's true. Right. Good uh, for you. So, yeah. How, what should we do, Stephen, now that we've learned about <laughs> this, this situation and we've learned about what the Bible says about debt? Well, I want you to tell us what we should do financially. Uh, uh, Theoretically, mentally, um, spiritually, that's why I went over just what are some basic Bible principles, because we must not be moved on where we stand on these things. Um, we must hold to that for me and my house, we will go into any debt very clear headed, very soberly, and then we will work diligently to pay off any debt that we have because debt is a big deal. And if society decides collectively that debt is not a big deal and people believe that you can run around with tens of thousands of dollars of credit card debt and it be no big deal, we don't agree with that. We're not going to live like that. Um, I could get even into these like uh, credit card debt consolidation companies and they just with the stroke of a pen make the number go down that you owe, uh, I don't wanna say don't ever do that if it helps you um, get out from under the, the cloud. I can speak for myself and say, if I had a son or there was a man I was discipling and he had rung up consumer debt, I wouldn't want him to get debt consolidation. I would want him to, to responsibly pay back what he owes because I think it's good for his soul. So what are the consequences I just want to observe that paying back what is owed becomes de-incentivized. It becomes um, less, it feels less necessary. It feels like there might be an out. So it becomes de-incentivized. Um, we're all gonna feel it everywhere else in the economy, but for the person who owed that uh, 10 grand, if you owed 11 grand in student loans and it turns into one, man, you're thinking, wow, this is, this is a great deal. Um, just to make a simple observation, logical observation, 
borrowing with the hopes of it just disappearing is incentivized. So we know how humans work. People will borrow in the future, though it is irresponsible to do so, and for whom there is little or no hope of paying it back. That will happen because they'll be thinking, oh, an election year is coming. I can look at who's in office and think of what they want to do to sweeten the pot going into an election season. And maybe I can just run up some debts and maybe they'll just kind of do the poof thing. Maybe they'll go away. So that, that is being incentivized and we need, we need to recognize that uh, culturally. So financially speaking, knowing that um, you might just review a couple of things that we said in our inflation episode, which is we know that an injection and a massive infusion of cash infects, uh, affects the economy inflation-wise. So what, what do we do about that? Yeah, I, I think that in terms of there's a lot of the inflationary categories right now that we can't do a ton about. Uh, if you're looking at, for example... The value, let's say you own a home and you realize I bought my home four years ago and it's worth $300,000 more than I paid huh. now. Um, one way that you could respond to the potential for uh, some some economic havoc that might come about in, in some sense from this is don't go get a home equity line of credit and use that $300,000 today to do every home project you've ever desired. Um, because just like inflation can drive prices up, there's the economic growth stops and recession and even depression uh, can happen if that gets too out of control. And then, you know, you've borrowed, you've put yourself into the situation a lot of people were in back in 2008 when they owed more than their home was worth. Um, that's just one example, but uh, it's time to just be circumspect. I'm not saying don't use debt. I actually am a big fan of people using debt wisely. Uh, you know, there comes a point where you've saved and invested and you have semi-liquid assets. So I have stock and bond investments, which I could get to pretty quickly. And those are much larger than my mortgage. So every day I wake up and I say, do I want to pay off my mortgage? Right. Um, and the answer is no, because praise God, we locked a two and a half percent interest rate in. And I know that over the long haul, my, my investments are going to grow at a faster pace than my mortgage. However, there's all sorts of things that could happen that would make my family go, we have to be mortgage free, absolute lowest possible right. cost right now. And I give myself the ability to make that decision every day by keeping some assets in a, in a asset class that is not, for example, an apartment building. Apartment building is great, a great asset. It can be really lucrative. You can't just snap your fingers and get your money out of an apartment building, um, you know, or real estate syndications or all sorts of things. There's invest businesses, even there's investments that are more liquid and less liquid. Right. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean you have to have every dollar of debt backed up with liquid or semi-liquid assets to, to borrow wisely. I don't think that. Um, I think that having a responsible mortgage is totally reasonable. However, um, 
there there is a point where you get to to use debt to grow your wealth faster uh and that's something that that i i think people should kind of that that's level two or three uh we just finished our abrahamic critical path to greatness you you can fool yourself on that front if you think well i'm using debt wisely i'm buying 20 rental homes and i'm leveraging them all against each other and look yeah. now i've got 20 rental homes well that that might not be as wise but uh um, i think not swinging the pendulum to one side or the other is important in a moment like this where everybody's kind of going crazy on debt either backing out of all of it because they they had private loans and they're so pissed off that they didn't get any forgiveness or um doing what you just described and um saying well it, we're we're probably not going to have to pay all this back so let's just run it up yeah T tell everybody what the fed's response has been yeah well i kind of mentioned that the chairman of the fed gave a speech last week um on friday it tanked the stock market because what he said is we're pouring a lot of more money a lot more money into the economy that's going to have material impacts on inflation uh, and we are going to keep raising interest rates to make sure that we don't end back up at 11% inflation. And when interest rates go up, it means access to cash is, is lower for companies that want to invest and grow. Um, so that means growth is lower and growth rate and projected growth rate is what kind of is the probably number one input to stock prices. So if we think, hey, the whole country is going to grow at a slower pace, then we think the stock market is going to be worth less than we assumed two days ago and prices drop. So we had a big bloodbath in the stock market on Friday after those um, after those comments were made. We'll see what happens. But um, personally, I'm kind of glad that we have people at the Fed who aren't just going, well, I guess maybe inflation is going to be 15% for a while. Um, because we've covered that in the past. The effects of hyperinflation are a lot scarier than a stock market that, that doesn't skyrocket for a few years. So that, and if that's the stock kind of, market goes down, is that a good time for us to pull our money out because we're because it concerns us? Um, you know, if you pull your money out, you're pretty much locking in uh, the certainty of suboptimal results. So... I think we've done a whole slew of episodes on timing the market. I'm not going to cover that again, except to say, please don't pull your money out of the stock market and assume you're smart enough to know when to put it back in. Because just like we had a nosedive on Friday, we can have a pop that's as big or bigger. Um, I saw a chart the other day that said, if you, uh, if you missed the six biggest days in the stock market, in the past couple years, you missed like 60% of the growth that happened. Wow. Um, so uh, don't pull your money out of the stock market and start timing the market, please. Just use the stock market for what it's good for, which is growing wealth over the long term. It's not good for getting, getting a quick flip on some bucks that you've got and you're going to need in three months. Sweet. Okay. I think that does it for me. All right. Well, um, the last thing I wanted to say is that uh, if if uh, if you did f 
say benefit from this this action and it ends up going through then uh, and maybe you didn't need it maybe you were you had a plan and you had put together like use the opportunity to actually do some something kind of that looks like the kingdom so generosity would be mm. a great thing to consider if you go hey we've got ten thousand dollars that we did not expect to have and we were paying a hundred bucks a month could we add that hundred bucks a month into actually helping you know helping somebody who is trying to go to college right now and not trying to take on right a right could we uh, could we use that money to further some family vision component that just when we did our annual planning, it didn't, we didn't have the funds to do it, but we know, Hey, it'd be great to do a road trip this summer and take our kids to some, some spiritually significant sites in our family history. Um, you know, Sweet. don't, don't miss the opportunity to turn something that probably is ill-advised and <laughs> not, doesn't smell like the kingdom in its in its values to turn that into something that could power your family uh, towards uh, the king's heart and the king's values. That's a great piece of advice to end with. Thank you for the review on the big uh, student loan debt forgiveness uh, thing they got going, and uh, we'll see you next time. Adios.